With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, you've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, I need an update. Haircut? No, my jeans, they're outdated. Run to Old Navy for tons of new jean styles on sale right now. Old Navy? Yes, try the new Rockstar 24-7. Now with more stretch and comfort than ever, you can feel and look fabulous. Plus, all jeans for the whole family are on sale up to 50% off. Starting at $15 for adults and from $10 for kids. Up to 50% off all jeans? Yep, say hi to new denim at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. It's a date. New jeans at Old Navy. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid 810 to 823, excludes clearance. Love. Talk Radio. gentlemen we're back it's been a week since i've last talked to you and here we are i uh, hope everybody out there likes my new intro i've i've had the um the nickelback intro the last few episodes and i didn't like it then i got my, my original laptop back from getting worked on and of course with that went all my audio files that i had and i decided to make a new one and i I think this one's the best one I've done. And uh it's the, it's a little bit of kiss with some the the original, the old hard to believe 22 years old uh theme from Monday Night Raw. Um uh, good stuff, very good stuff. But anyway, tonight we got uh, the Royal Rumble review with Bobby Blade. That's going to be our main segment tonight. Uh, I've the show tonight's going to be broken down in three segments, like always. I'm going to have my my monologue type segment first. Then we'll we're going to play, have a little break, and then come back, bring Bobby Blade on the air. We're going to talk about the Royal Rumble 2015. What was good about it? What wasn't so good about it? The the um, controversial Rumble match and the aftermath that followed with the canceled WWE movement which I, I myself, like Bobby Blade, think is just the stupidest thing ever. And and we're not even we're not only going to come on here and tell you why it's stupid but we're or that it's stupid, but we're going to explain why and the pros and cons of of pretty much this last weekend in wrestling. 'Cause it's been to me, um I went back and watched the end of the Royal Rumble last year and this year today in preparation for this. And as bad as Batista getting booed out of the building um, which it really wasn't the fact that Batista got was won it. Well, I mean, it was a small part, but it was um, so much that Daniel Bryan wasn't in it at all. And in I, my opinion, I thought this year's was much far worse as far as the crybabies not getting their way, i.e. some of the fans. And we're going to get into that. But uh, first, I went and uh, went out to Garrett County today 
and paid a visit to a very dear friend of mine, um, Adam Stevens, uh, in t- to the Kentucky Wrestling um, Network, I guess you could say. He was known as the Dr. Love Adam Marks. And had me doing a lot of thinking about when we broke in. But what I started thinking about even more was the was the when before we broke in and um, a little backyard promotion that we did. From, we, I mean, we it existed from 2001 to 2003, but we, we hit our stride in 2003. And I'm going to give a little background and just share some funny stories that I can remember um, from from those years. 2001, it was more loose. We'll just get in there, wrestle around, and whoever gets whoever gets pinned loses. Of course, nobody wants to lose, so sometimes the quote unquote matches because it was all on trampolines and stuff like that. It was just us having fun. They could la- they'd last for hours and. 2003, me and Adam had gotten together. I remember it was a rainy night in June, and we'd wanted to restart the backyard thing. Uh, we called it JCBW, the Junction City Backyard Wrestling. Uh, we had restarted it, and we actually wanted to plan out a show, which at the, you got to take in mind that at this time, we're, we were still have never even been around the business, and we um we sat down i had rented i had been renting a house next to my grandparents we came there sat down and we actually planned out the first show with all who, we knew who was going to wrestle or attempt to wrestle <laughs> cuz one none of us trained and and uh disclaimer alert uh anybody out there listening don't don't do backyard i mean what i'm getting ready to tell you what we did don't do it because it's it's too much of an upside of getting hurt of course you know you couldn't tell us that back then and I probably couldn't really tell you that now, but you know we was like you know eight nineteen eighteen seventeen year old kids, and we was retarded <laughs> point blank and um, we planned out the it was a tournament for the first ever j c b w champion, and we planned it out, planned a date i think it it, it we did it i think August first of two thousand three 11 and a half years ago. And it doesn't really seem that long but ago, but it was. Um, and it was the first show was called Resurrection because you know, we was coming back after being off for a year of not doing it. And the show actually went well. Uh, I remember another friend of mine that's no longer here, uh, Nick Edwards, was on the show. Uh, I wrestled him in the first match, and of course we had it planned out. You know, I, you know, I'm going over in the tournament, which that was Adam's call, believe it or not, not mine. Uh, and I'm going over, and my first opponent was Nick, and I remember we was in my house because we kind of we set the house up like it was the backstage. You know, the people that come to watch us, we actually made little rinky-dink flyers that we hung around town, which I'm sure knowing now. What I know that I, some of the professional wrestlers <laughs> was going around tearing them down, but we we actually put work into it, uh, and I hate to say it, but we put in some more work into that, doing that than some of the actual wrestling promotions around now put in work to promoting their show. And we rode our bikes because none of us had a car um, around Danville. We rode our bikes all the way to Harrodsburg and and post and postered. Uh, 
we we made a master poster. We went to Kroger back when the Kroger still had ten cent copies, and we and we spent ten dollars on on copies, and we hung them everywhere. Um, we had about we had about seventy some people show up through not at one time, but throughout the day. I think I think we had like thirty people around for the first show, uh, which no videotape footage of the first show exists anymore because we taped it. And we wasn't, and it wasn't until later shows that we were smart enough to put everything on the one master tape. Um, and uh, I, we was in the the house, and Nick told me, he said, you know, just beat the shit out of me, man, because I'm probably never going to do this again after today. And he was just one of those, you know, didn't give a shit kind of guys. And uh, I mean, we was never really great friends, uh, but we had a lot of great mutual friends. And I beat the living tar out of that kid. And, I mean, I didn't hurt him or nothing, but it was, in my mind, the memories I have of it was at the time Brock Lesnar was real hot, and uh, I used the F5 as a finish. And um, and I advanced. I can't remember who I fought in the second round. Uh, but the third round, which was the finals, was me and Adam. And... This match actually set up a. We actually had this match end with a with a run in, and the run in set up the next next show. And it, the 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 run in was was Brandon Adams, who was known as Sadistic. And by the way, Adams' wrestling name was Manslaughter, not to be confused with the man, the actual wrestler Manslaughter. Uh, and. It set it up. We was having a back and forth fight, and at the end, Brandon Adams, aka Sadistic, comes in and cracks Adam in the back of the head with a light bulb. And of course, you know, I I crawl over slow, milking it with the people there. Put the arm on him. One, two, three. I'm the champion, and I'm and I'm the heel. We did a big deal where some of the glass caught me too, and then at the time Kane had just took off his mask, and we was kind of copying that, and and I was really into Kane at the time, and um, we set it up in the second show. Uh, we had another backyard promotion, I think, out of Garrett County, uh, called CCW Combat Something Wrestling or something like that. Uh, Brandon would know know the them more than I would because they they started bringing in the hardcore aspect, which was something I really <laughs> I didn't really want to do, and they brought that over with the you know the, the cheese graters and. Uh, all that. And that, and that night we had a quote unquote interpromotional match. It was um, Brandon Adams versus Corey something. I can't I can't think of his last name, but it was Corey something, and they beat the absolute living fuck out of each other. Like they, you know, they're me and Adam. <laughs> of course, you know, you know, Miss Fabe didn't really exist all that much in our promotion. We, but. Um, we had gotten together and did a deal where we was doing the commentary for the match while filming it. And we sat and watched them. No, that actually, I take that back. I'm sorry. That wasn't on this show. That was on the show after that. This show was called body count. And that the finish of the t tournament finals from the first show 
that led into Adam and Brandon having a light bulb death match at the second show, which was called Body Count. Um, that match was pretty damn good uh, as far as what that was. It was actually entertaining to watch, and I have it on vid- video. Uh, the video is somewhere in in one of my boxes, and I don't have a working VCR right now, so, so I can't really go and watch it, but... Um, I need to take it to Walmart and get it transferred to DVD. Uh, but uh, they, Brandon and Adam, actually constructed a a decent match that was entertaining to watch. That it was pretty much a last man standing match with light bulbs. And they, we had was good friends with the guy that owned a painting salon, and he gave us a box full of burnt out light bulbs because we had the shows a month apart, and he saved them. And they, they, and the funny thing was, was none of neither one of them ever really got busted open over it. Which Adam was deflated like hell because he wanted to bleed, and he didn't bleed at all. And, uh, but at the time, he he didn't really have the nuts to juice himself. <laughs> <laughs> to 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 do a gig, um, and I remember I wrestled a guy, buddy of mine, who actually went on to the to the U.S. Army. His name was uh, Matt Barker. Uh, he wrestled by the name of Curfew. Very big into Metallica, and like his moves was all Metallica, you know, names of Metallica songs and. All that, and we had a good, we had a pretty decent match. That was just pretty much me, and there was a move in it. And if you ever get to see the videotape, which none of you probably ever will, except maybe Bobby Blade, if I ever take it over to his house, um, there's a move where I have him up like a atomic drop, and I spin him in mid air and slam him down into like a rock bottom type move. But the move looked so damn pretty on tape, and it was one of those kind of like in. Legit in the pro wrestling business, when you do a move and it feels good when you do it, and you know that looked good because it felt good, and that was that move because we ha- we didn't wasn't just wrestling on like cold ground. We had we had somehow acquired about eight or nine mattresses and we had tied them all together and all this and that was our ring. You know we didn't you know the the we had we put it next to the porch so the porch was our quote unquote turnbuckle to jump off of. But uh, I was wrestling Matt Barker, and two, three spots stick out in my mind. Because he had a tag team partner named Joe No, who actually, when me and Adam broke in the business, um, he had broken with us, even though, in my personal opinion, and this isn't a shot on Joe because I've said this to Joe myself, the only reason he got into the business was because Adam got into the business. Um and he became later became country cousin Joe, with Jed, with he teamed with Jed for a couple of years, but um, they were partners. I was the big monster heel, just murdering Matt because Matt was like half my size. That was my first quote unquote title defense. And of course, at the time we had yet to have a belt made because we didn't do the WWE replica thing. We just we made our own belts, and we had two belts. We had the backyard championship and the heavyweight championship and which uh I think we only had one we only had one backyard champion ch- champion and that was Morgan Wilson who was quote, known as Never which was kind of a, a rip off of Raven uh and we but at, anyway 
I'm off on my own little tangent here, which I'm pretty sure Bobby can appreciate. Um, there was a part where I hit him with a chair, and on the on the tape, I hit him with him so I hit him with it so hard, it was so stiff. You could hear Adam from the house going, "Damn man, don't kill him." <laughs> <laughs> and the finish was was he got he he kind of made a little comeback on me. He got up on the got up on the porch, jumped off. I caught him in midair, and then shifted him up for an F five. But I didn't give him a regular F five. I F fived him into the house, and um, then Joe come out going, "Dude, he's only human." Blah blah blah. And Joe turns around to check on Matt. I pick up the chair. Joe turns around. I waffle him in the head full force with the chair. Because he, 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 him like Nick told me, if I want to hit him, hit him hard, which <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Just don't hit me like that. <laughs> which I very rarely took headshots anyway, even in the business. I always took, I always took back shots. But um, then that wasn't, but that wasn't the finish. The finish was was after that. I'm over him. Matt stumbles up, turns around, gets picked up into a regular F5 onto into onto the mattresses. One, two, three, it's over. The next show was called Unleashed, which I got to give Adam credit. Adam did the majority of the booking for the for the shows. I had a little input here and there, and Brandon did too when Brandon was around. Um, and the next one was Unleashed, which figured, which featured the first ever triple threat ladder match in JCBW history. Which pretty much we just, we actually had a physical belt that Adam had made out of a weightlifting belt and a kind of like a pl- a plaque thing that you buy at Walmart made of wood. And he him him and his brother Jason, who I'm very good friends with, um, had taken it, painted on, painted you know, painted it gold with JCBW champion with an earth in the middle. And pretty sweet looking for what it was, and up in the game course from the control ladder and get the belt wins. Of course, we got the ladder from my grandpa that he was getting ready to throw it away, and he gave it to us, and we it was wooden, so we you know we obliterated it. Uh, that match sticks out in my mind for the couple reasons. It was the first time it ever gotten uh, double uh, move done on the tax, which I don't remember him hurting all that much. Um, I got a light bulb broken over my my head for the first time, which didn't cut me open. Didn't really hurt. It was, the sound hurt my ears more than the light bulb hurt my head. Because, um, you know, you hit somebody with one of those, it sounds like a gunshot. And uh, Adam won, and I juiced, but it was fake. Uh, we did the old-fashioned, it was around Halloween, so Walmart was selling bucket loads of fake blood. So we used fake blood for all of our all of our are bleeding in that match. Of course, the uh, the one negative is was it was dark, so our only lighting we had was a porch light and a bunch of cars that was around parked in the yard. Um, which one thing I never really took into consideration was when we have these type of matches, it's got thumbtacks and light and glasses cleaning up the yard because <laughs> usually you're so sore the next day that you don't get to clean up the yard. And uh, Then Adam won the match, and the one thing I remember about that day was it was T.J. Rice's last, which was a to fill in. He was he wrestled as suicide, and he was the first one to ever be put through a flaming table. 
and of course we you know, we was safe. We had the buckets of water, and as soon as he hit the table, we we doused him with the water and all that. And it was it was getting ready to go to he was getting ready to leave for the army, but he wanted to have one more match, and he had one with a friend of ours named Josh Demeka who was wrestling as Carnage. Um, very original wrestling names, by the way. Uh, we get an we get an F for we get an F for originality. Uh, except for mine, mine I stole from a movie called Thirteen Ghosts, and it was thirteen, uh, a gimmick that I wanted to use in 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 the actual business. But uh, once uh, Rated X found out that it was taken from a backyard name, it was uh, he he was pretty much absolutely not, <laughs> which I get it. But uh, at the time, I was heartbroken, and. He was in it, and it was the first time I'd ever did a tombstone, and I did it to Adam, and it was a jumping tombstone. And if I, me now, would have probably went back and whipped my own ass for doing something so stupid and reckless. But uh, it looked good on tape. <laughs> uh, and that was the one of the last shows. We had another show uh, called Extreme Warfare, which was then our first invasion show. And the only thing I really rem- remember that it was my match. And uh, it was against a guy who, a buddy of mine that actually works in Danville at the liquor barn, and he works with an, another former professional wrestler that a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people may know, named Billy Maverick, Billy Sands. Um, his name was the, his name was Fridge, and dude was about as big as a fridge. And we had, it was my first ever light bulb death match. And I pretty much went in there with the understanding of don't break anything, but you can hit me as hard as you want. And I don't know where, but halfway during the match, we're beating the fuck out of each other with the light bulbs. And uh, we did everything but pull out a shotgun and shoot each other. But uh, at one point on the tape, you can see that I just get a burst of energy. And I speared him. And this dude is like 450 pounds. And I speared him and picked him up off the ground. And I'm not as big. I wasn't as big then as I was now. Then I was like 250 pounds. I was like, you know, 100 pounds lesser than what I weigh now. And not very strong in the, in the slightest. And I I speared him so hard, I picked him up off the ground. And he landed on the mattresses. And we were both laying there. And I was like, that was kind of cool. <laughs> But um, that was the last big show that I remember us having. We tried to have another one, and we got shut down by the police uh, because you know they had actually somebody had actually reported us to the athletic commission is what I'm guessing because that's what they used to shut us down. And but it, we never we was all, we was just having fun, and that, that those series of shows lit a fire under me and Adam Stevens to get into the business. Uh, I wish Adam was still here today. I believe. I believe Adam could be a top draw, maybe not as a, maybe not as a wrestler because he was really, he was like 150 pounds soaking wet holding a brick, but he was a he was an exceptional manager. He managed me my first couple years in the wrestling business as a part of Love Inc. A, to, a term uh, quote quoted by Jamie Phillips, and um, I miss Adam to this day. He sadly took his own life and. 2006, um, and I miss him to this day. And I went out. Pretty much all these memories come back just from me visit, going out and visiting him. And 
I see we have a couple people in our chat room. We have guest 750. That As soon as I said hello, he just logged out. <laughs> we have the one and only Andrew Browning in the chat room. And we have the big man himself, Mr. J.I., Jim Isaacs, in the chat room. I want to thank both of you guys for tuning in. And if uh, guest 2750 is still listening, thank you. If you're still listening, thank you, too. Uh, we're going to take a short little break. And then I'm going to bring the the one and only four-time Hall of Famer, Lone Wolf Bobby Blade, and then we're going to rip rip into some IWC for a little while. But uh, first, we're going to take a break, and here is Come Join the Murder. Uh, this is from the Sons of Anarchy soundtrack. It was played in the last scene of the final episode, and I just kind of love this song. I probably, I'm probably not going to let the entire song play because it's like a seven-minute song, but enjoy. Outside my window I hear him calling I hear him sing Burns me with his eyes of gold to embers He sees all my sins He reads my soul
All right, that was Come Join the Murder. It's a seven minutes long song, so I'm not going to make everybody sit and listen to the entire song. Uh, mainly what I use the segments for is whenever I have a guest on, I, you know, go over the finer points of what we're going to talk about and everything. And speaking of my guests, Bobby Blade, how are you doing? Geez, light bulbs and chair shots. And I mean, what happened to schoolboys? <laughs> eye pokes, man. I don't know. <laughs> man, eye pokes, arm bars. Geez, oh, Pete. It was more like pick up a hammer and hit you with it, I guess. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, I've never heard of the like. I, I need to bring I need to bring that tape out to you the next time I, I come see you and Oh God. I mean, some of it was it was good to watch, but some of it, my God, was uh Adam once said it best. There was a match between uh Joe and I think that Morgan guy I mentioned, uh never and we, we was watching the tape back the next day. Of course, that's the first thing we did when we got up in the morning because he usually crashed in my place afterwards. And we'd watch it back and critique each other. And, and it, today it blows my mind how close we were to doing what we do in the business now then. And we weren't even in it. You know, you tape your match. The first thing you want to do is you want to go back and watch it back. But um, and he's like, man, that looks like two rhinoceroses trying to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was their, they were attempting to do chain wrestling and it was just not looking very good. <laughs> oh, That's great. oh yeah. man! So I'm I'm ready for this tonight. I'm yeah, ready for this uh, tonight. And by the way, I'm sitting here right now watching my uncanceled WWE Network subscription. Nice. You know, I'm not watching it right now, but I I, I was watching it this morning. I watched a little bit of WWE 24. Great show. Uh, yeah, so far. Uh, the last thing I remember them talking about was Connor the Crusher, which I don't know if – because I noticed they jump around a little bit. They'll talk about one thing, then they'll talk about another, then they talk about another. And it was the segment right after Connor the Crusher, because I usually watch yeah, it, it whenever I'm eating, eating breakfast. Yeah, it seamlessly goes from one subject to the next, and mm-hmm. you know you don't even realize you've switched subjects in, until you're halfway through the, the next subject. But it's very well done, I think. Yeah. All right, the the subject tonight, which when I when I got a hold of you last week and told you what I wanted to do, I didn't think it would give us this much ammunition to talk about. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the pay-per-view as a whole? The pay-per-view as a whole, I thought it was a very good show. I thought uh, from top to bottom, minus some of the smaller segments during the Rumble itself, mm-hmm. was a very, very well done show. Uh, I thought there was a lot of entertainment value there. Um, I thought everything flowed well. There was, you know, there was a lot of a lot of good uh, flow in the matches and all that stuff. Um, the Rumble itself, I didn't like it as much as I did last year's, but I thought it was still very interesting. Um, I thought it, you know, still told a good story at the end there, you know. And I may be in the I, well, apparently I am in the minority there because uh, apparently everybody else hated the ending of the match. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think the right guy won. It was like, it was like I, I do too. Uh, and it was actually, I think, uh, who I, we predicted last week. I think me and you both predicted, uh, uh, who was it? We both predicted Roman Reigns. Uh, and I can't remember who Andrew Browning and Scott Diamond picked. You'd ha- People, you'd have to go back there and listen to the last episode to get that tidbit of information. 
I think Andrew Browning, but, uh, he, he predicted Dolph Ziggler, and I think Scott Diamond predicted anybody but Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're actually correct. Um, <laughs> and like we was talking about beforehand, spoiler sites, which my spoiler site of choice is sescoops.com. Um, they're usually pretty spot on with their information. You know, back in September, they predicted – Roman Reigns is pretty much a lock to win the Royal Rumble. And, of course, back then, everybody started crying. They started, you know, oh, pro he doesn't deserve to there. He's only getting it because he's The Rock's cousin. Uh, his promo skills suck, which I'm, I will say, when I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me, they're not the best in the world. Fussering fuckatash. Yeah, which, come to find out, that's Vince McMahon writing, has been writing off his promos. Yeah. I think it's stupid. I don't think anybody should have a promo written for them, but that's just me. Uh, and it's and sometimes you know you know even though I'm technically a worker and they are a mark, we're all marks in my opinion. Um, yeah, or we wouldn't be in the business. Exactly, and I you know I don't give away too much of the business. I don't. I just kind of you know I usually play devil's advocate on there a lot. <laughs> if they say John Cena sucks, I'll say well well he does all this, he draws this, and you know and they usually, you know, well, then they, then they start degenerating into the name calling, and <laughs> yeah, which is to me says you, you know your argument sucks and you can't back it up. But uh, now, they well, talk- let me let me touch on that while we're on that subject of John Cena real quick. Go ahead. You know, everybody says, and this is tangent number one of the night. <laughs> but uh, everybody mm-hmm. sits there, you know, all the Cena uh, people. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because you went on your own, but um, um. All the anti-Cena people, they'll sit there and say, oh, John Cena sucks. John Cena sucks. John Cena sucks. Okay, well, you know what? John Cena is not the best technical wrestler, but he's a phenomenal worker. Plus, he sells merchandise like nobody else. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and when uh, Cena's on top, their, you know, their ratings are seem like they're higher and stuff like that, so... How could you say John Cena sucks? Because he doesn't. But I will say this. When the crowd sings to his theme song, you know, John Cena sucks, you know, that's hilarious. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, I do. But, um, you know, I don't think John Cena sucks at all. No, I mean, you know, like, I'm like you, you know, occasionally I get tired of seeing him being on top. You know, you kind of want to see somebody else eventually. But uh, I'm trying, I'm on, I'm looking at my profile on SC Scoops where I've, I've talked. Um, there, there was talking about Roman Reigns flub, flubbing lines, um, which my usual argument on that is, when, if you're handed a big, if it's an hour to show time, and you're handed this big two paragraph promo that you got to remember, do you not realize how hard it is to remember all that? <laughs> and you have to, you have to remember it line by line. Can't forget a word. It, you know, gone are the days where. Hit this point, this point, and this point. Other than that, I don't give. I don't care what you do. Those days are exactly. gone. But yeah, I put, and that's sad too because if, if if a guy does mess up a line or something like that in a scripted promo, he's lost, and you can visibly see it in you know on his face that he's lost. That's why I always preferred the days of the promos were you know just you know, had bullet points and you just winged the rest of it and you spoke from the heart. They were more believable. They seemed more personal. And, you know, I wish that it would get back to that, but unfortunately it's not going to. No. 
I mean, it may get after Vince step down, steps down, and Triple H takes over. I can see some of the old school wrestling coming back as far as promos, because from what I've read, it's like that in NXT where they don't, they just give you a little direction and let you go. And um, as soon as it loads up, I've I've got one of the things I hit where we was talking about John Cena, but first on Roman Reigns, I, on there I kind of put some sarcasm on there. I said. Roman Reigns flubs the line, everybody cries. Be it last week on Raw, Seth Rollins flubbed a major line on Raw. Um, kick your, it was almost like the Owen Hart kick your leg out of your leg from from the Royal Rumble, something yeah. that similar. And and I said, but uh, but Seth Rollins flubs the line, nobody says a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but if John Cena was to do it. Everybody would be like, "Oh, John Cena does suck." Look, <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember when Hulk Hogan um, messed up his entire promo on SmackDown a few years ago? Mm-hmm. And he said something about, I, he was trying to say, "I'm the right guy," and he said, "I'm the right gay guy," and then they had to do it like <laughs> two or three times over or something like that. Yeah. It was great. I think the, that was the original version of it showed up on a Bacho Mania somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it did. And. uh what what it started as was somebody was there was a thing about Goldberg talking about you know doing another run blah blah blah, then of course you had some people doing you know he's garbage he ain't garbage, and they and this one guy who claims to be an independent worker was like was talking about how a a, a world champion wrestler should have a a unlimited move set which I think moves quote unquote move sets are the dumbest thing in the world, but that's just me. Um, and I said, and he said, that's the anatomy of, of a hor- of a horrible wrestler. I said, that's also the anatomy of a great wrestler. A great wrestler is a guy that can get over doing very few things. They get the same pop from the crowd doing five things as a guy that has ne- has to nearly kill himself doing twenty five. So who exactly. can win the crowd? I want to go with the guy that does five things. And of course, his response was, "Okay, John Cena fanatic." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They always want to go on the attack there. But the thing is, though, is yeah. I made it 23 years in independent wrestling, doing five moves, you know, and the rest of the time I was running my mouth. But I made the people believe that I did 105 moves, you know. All reality, I was doing five, got over huge everywhere mm-hmm. I was at. And that is me blowing my own horn, by the way. Oh, I'm about to, well, when you said that, I, a situation from me with me comes to mind from Georgetown. Um I, there was a night that I worked uh, Skid Mark Ryan Howe in the first mm-hmm. match. This was him fresh off of his t- tough enough run. Uh, Great guy. I, can't I, love remember him how, I do too. Nice guy. Easy to work with. Mm-hmm. A little, little scatterbrained, but <laughs> no, he's always been super are, nice to me. But he was always a good guy. I, you'd have to, you'd have to remember everything for him. But you know, that was never <laughs> a problem for me. Um, and we were setting up an angle that I was supposed to run with Jared Sloan and. Um, me and Ryan did a lot out there to the point where I was I was wore out because he ran me to death. And uh, Cujo said, "You know, you're going to work another match with Jared and I'm like, "Well, you mind if we go short because I'm kind of wore out and the show's kind of kind of dragging along." And he said, "That's yeah, fine." I said, and I, I told Jared, "I'm like, we're not going to take a single bump. I'm going to I'm going to jump you as you're making your entrance. 
or I'm going to jump you at uh, as, at the end of intermission. We'll go in the ring. You'll take over a bit, little bit on, on the floor, throw me in the ring. I'll pop out a chain, pop you in the mouth, pin you, one, two, three. Shortest match in the history of Georgetown. <laughs> and we got more heat doing that than some of the other matches that night, and we got – me and Jared got heat in the locker room for getting the – for getting that kind of pop off of not doing a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, though. I love it. I mean, you know, anytime you – I had yeah. a match one time with Ryan, and it was um, like four and a half minutes or something like that. Was That, that was the, the entire match from bell to bell. And I think we mm-hmm. might have been – you know, between the two of us, we might have did like ten things, and the rest of the time I was running my mouth and everything. And it was the most – you know, we got the biggest reaction of the night, and we literally did next to nothing. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's what's missing. You know, because that makes it more personal to the people that are there. You know, granted, if you're if you're working on TV, you have to work a different style because you got to work for the people at home. You got to work toward cameras and stuff like that, and you can't do all the uh, you know running mm-hmm. your mouth and all that. But you know, for yep. the crowd that we had there, you know, we were working the crowd, and you know, four minutes, four and a half minutes later. You know, they loved everything we did. And I'm, I was very proud of that four and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, going back, and I'll, I'll read my final thing. He was th- pretty much saying how, you know, uh, um, he said that's not the anatomy of a great of a good wrestler. That's somebody who's too lazy to work or do much to impress the crowd. That's a chump that stays in their comfort zones because they are, they see that doing just a little impresses people rather than doing more to amaze them. And my, my final thing that I said that where he didn't say anything was, look at the three biggest draws in WWE history. Hogan, Austin, Cena. All three knew how to wrestle. Before, And I put in parentheses, like, before you trash Hogan, go watch his work in Japan. Uh, they now they know how to wrestle, but they didn't need it because they didn't have to use it because they got over on character and personality. Exactly. That is a great wrestler in this business. It's proven that wrestlers will always – well, I used the term worker because he was starting to use it too. I was like, it's been proven that workers will always draw more than a wrestler. And I was like – and then I said, name one high-spot wrestler ever that has been the biggest draw in a global promotion. I'll answer the question for you. None. <laughs> and he never <laughs> responded. But um, getting off on this tangent. <laughs> Many more to come. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the big controversy of the night was Daniel Bryan getting eliminated like he did. Would you have saved Daniel to, towards the end, or would you have kept it the same? Well, I, honestly, I, that's the thing I would have changed. I would have saved him to the end, and uh, – you know, I would have had it come down to Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan with Roman Reigns going over. Um, I think it was a shock when he got eliminated so early to the people that were there live. Um, I, I was at a Rumble party that uh, Max Sledd gives every year, and they're, they're, those are great, by the way. You've never been to a party until you've been to a Max Sledd Rumble party. But, um, you know, once Daniel Bryan got thrown out, you know, there was the chorus of boos from the people live in attendance, and it just sucked the life out of that crowd. But, mm-hmm. you know, and it sucked the life out of the room that we were in, too, because we just, you know, couldn't believe that he got eliminated so early. But the thing is, though, is that crowd punished the rest of the workers that were in the Battle Royal, that were in the Royal Rumble itself, 
every time somebody come to the ring, you know, unless mm-hmm. you were Dolph Ziggler or Dean Ambrose, you didn't get any reaction whatsoever. And then once the eventual winner came oh. out and they knew they knew that he was going to win, you know, as soon as his music hit and everything, it was just nonstop booze from the time he started coming down the stairs to the ring to the time that he left that. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to those guys like they were chanting CM Punk. CM Punk's been gone a year. I'm a huge yeah. fan of CM Punk. Love CM mm-hmm. Punk. But he's been gone a year. Let's move on. You know? Yeah. He's, he's already don't, said he's not coming back. So why bother? Yeah. Yeah, don't punish the the guys that are still employed that are you know busting their butts to give you a good show. And of course, you know, with me saying that, I'm sure somebody else is going to say, "Well, they didn't give us a good show." Yes, they did. I mm-hmm. thought it was good, you know. But that's my opinion, and I guess my opinion doesn't matter to some people. No, it's like I'm looking at the times here because I found I found it on the on that website. I frankly, the times of how long. It, and Brian was only in the match for ten minutes. Ten minutes, yeah. ten seconds. Was was his time and he got eliminated. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, even though when he come in for some reason it felt like he was in there longer than he was actually in there, he was only in the match for two minutes nineteen seconds. And when when that was another one when when he got eliminated the way he did, it was just like because when he come out the people got up again, even though in the back of their minds they know there's no way in hell Dolph Ziggler's winning. Uh, And when Kane and I think who was a big show picked him up like they did and just nonchalantly just dumped him over the top rope. Um it's again it what it what the, it built back up, it died back down. Same with well, Dean Ambrose. See, here's the thing too. I believe that no matter who was gonna win the Royal Rumble, somebody's gonna have a problem with it. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like last year when uh, this happened with Batista you know, Batista went over in the Royal Rumble, and it came down to Batista and Roman Reigns. Well, the people wanted Roman Reigns. When they got Batista, they booed. You know, they mm-hmm. weren't happy. Well, Rom- Roman Reigns should have won it. Well, okay, well, he wins this year. They're not happy because Daniel Bryan didn't win it. Okay, yep. so what are you going to do next year? Daniel Bryan going to win it, and, and then the people still won't be happy. You know? No, they'll want, they'll want somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to make the Internet wrestling community uh, happy with anything you do. It's like CM Punk. You know, all I ever heard was, why are they burying CM Punk? You know, CM Punk is, is better than this. He deserves so much more and blah, 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 blah. Well, they start pushing CM Punk to the moon. Well, uh, CM Punk is so overrated and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's all you ever heard. Well, actually, before then, that, before that, it, um, which that started about halfway during his, his title run. Uh, but before that, when they, they took the belt off of him, he got beat by Triple H, which, me personally, I thought that was stupid um, to have Triple H beat him when Triple H isn't even an active performer. I would have had Punk beat him for the rub. Um, and then they went back, and they was like, well, we're glad he's the champion, but we're pissed about how he became the champion again by beating yeah. Alberto at Survivor Series in a very Yeah, I mean, match. they're they're never going to be happy with what the WWE gives them. I think it's just because of the fact that they don't want to acknowledge that the WWE, uh, you know, does a good job. And the simple fact of the matter is the WWE is a multi-million dollar company. It used to be a billion dollar company, but now it's still a multi-million dollar company, which is great. You know, does better than any other promotion in the U.S. And, you know, so they're doing something right. You know, everybody sits there and they say, well, WWE can just screw up everything that they touch, but they don't. They're on TV two or three times a week, live, and mm-hmm. hate. 
<coughs> excuse me. And then uh, they've got the WWE Network, which is now doing well. It's got over a million subscribers now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they've got all this DVD collection and VHS, you know, backlog and all that. You know, they've acquired other companies like WCW and ECW and AWA and, you know, so on and so forth. So so what are they doing wrong? Nothing. I don't think they're I don't think they're doing anything wrong. I mean, it's occasionally not convinced the IWC of that at all. Occasionally they make a bad decision, but that's any business. Any business is going to make a decision where uh, Jim Ross said he said they, you know, they made the decision where they, they wanted to go right, but they should have went left. But that don't mean you can't go left and then turn around and go right. And yeah. It's like now they're now people are calling for Daniel Bryan to be inserted like he was last year, and I was just like, that would be stupid if that happened. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, I love Daniel Bryan, but that's just it, you know Vince is not going to let the people hijack WrestleMania again like he did last yeah, year. Yeah, well, you know, like, and, and I'll agree with you too. I love Daniel Bryan. I, you know, he's my favorite my favorite worker right now, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a huge fan of his work. Uh, you know, and all that stuff and. If I read earlier on uh, Gerwick, Vince had said if they answered Daniel Bryan into the match at WrestleMania to appease the IWC, then Vince feels that that would be going back to the well too many times. And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree with that. And the thing is, Roman, Wayne, Roman Reigns went over in the Royal Rumble. Get over it. You know, yep. if you don't like it, get over it. It'll make it work. You know, and the thing is, is. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar might not be the greatest technical match ever, but it's going to be a spectacle. And mm-hmm. it's going to be WrestleMania, and WrestleMania does what? It draws money. Mm-hmm. Every exactly. And I watched a little bit of the Snowden episode last night. Yeah. And the little segment that they had sold me on the match by just Paul Heyman talking. Yeah. Yeah. See, Paul Heyman's going to make it so easy for those two guys. Yep. You know, because Paul Heyman is such a great talker. He's such a great promo, you know, such a great interview and everything that he can make whatever uh, the people are doubting about the match. He can make them believe it, but he's Mm got to have time to to do that and build it up. And the thing is, is these, the internet wrestling community are not willing to give him the time to build up the match. They just, they just know Brock Lesnar is going to defend against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania and they hate it. You know, yep. it's Brock. It's not Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. They hate it. They're not willing to give it a chance. However, with them not willing to give Roman Reigns a chance, that is going to damage Roman Reigns' career in the long run. Yeah. You know, it's not fair to that. It's not fair to the guy. You know, no, he works just as hard as anybody else. I mean, he's not the greatest promo ever, granted. But you know, eventually over time, that's going to get better. It's going to get easier for him. But you know, they're going to make it work. You know, and, no, and none of the internet people will listen to me when I tell them it's WWE. They will make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they go, "Oh, he's not the he, his promo sucks." I was like, "Well, Bret Hart really wasn't necessarily the best promo man in the business, but he made it work for what he could." Yeah, I'm getting mad uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like we said. You know, whenever whenever all this happened, I was just like. Tuesday is going to be interesting. <laughs> and, and and the thing, yeah, the, the thing is, too, is, and, the, ooh, I'm sitting here watching the Royal Rumble, and, you know, I'm appreciating what the guys are doing and stuff like that. Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns wins. I immediately go to Facebook, uh, and all I ever see is in the stream and in, in the, uh, the, the Facebook feed there is I'm canceling my subscription to WWE Network, canceling WWE Network. Why would you do that? 
even if you didn't, you know, you're going to cancel your subscription to the WWE Network, which I think is a great service because it has a huge backlog of all this great old wrestling, you know, and all the great moments in, in, in uh, WWE history and WCW history and ECW and, you know, so on and so forth. You're going to cancel your subscription because the guy that you, the guy that you didn't want to win won the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. I just I think that's so that's the dumbest thing you could do. It's only nine dollars and ninety nine cents a month. I mean, I'll give you nine 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 a month if you want to keep it. I mean, you know, not really. So don't write into the show or anything like that. But <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, that's the dumbest thing you could do. So yeah. many people were canceling their subscriptions that it crashed the the cancel subscription page on the WWE Network website. And, but the thing is, though, is they they had a, I think it was the count was like 137,000 people canceled their subscriptions, but they still hit the one million mark. mark. Yep. And yeah. and that was after the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I seen that, I was just like, I told I told you when when this, when I was on break, I was like, I'm glad that that well, that information came to light to yet today as opposed to tomorrow, because it just yeah. it, it gave. It gives us so much ammunition to go. Well, I guess not that many people, um, not that many people uh, canceled. Yeah. Well, or, they said one hundred thirty-seven thousand. Oh, that oh that there was a number that how many canceled? Yeah, one hundred thirty-seven thousand. But with the people going back and resubscribing, and then the new subscribers as well. After the, and this is after the rumble. Uh, they they hit over a million. Mm-hmm. So this is after people had canceled, and then yep, and then and then here we go here at the arena in Philadelphia. The people were so upset that Roman Reigns won that they went out and they blocked the wrestlers' cars from leaving the arena, which is the dumbest thing that you could do. That's on the wrestlers' personal time. The show's over; they're heading to try to go get some sleep to get to the next town the, the next day. You know, mm-hmm. you're interfering with the wrestler's personal time during that time. And I also read, too, that, you know, they were beating on the cars and stuff like that as they were going by, you know, once they finally started letting them out. And, you know, those chairs that the WWE gives away for the floor seats? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, they had uh, they had uh, the Royal Rumble chairs. You know, when you buy the floor seats, you get the free chair. You get to take the chair home with it. Well, somebody mm-hmm. had a chair and was beating up one of their cars with the chair. Wow. You know, just beating on the car and everything, damaging the car. I mean, and they're, they're honestly lucky that they didn't get the butts kicked. Yeah. You know, they're lucky, I mean, because it could have been very bad for those fans that were blocking the wrestlers' cars in and causing damage to the wrestlers' uh, uh, rented cars and, you know, stuff like that. But, I mean, they, when people do that, I don't know if they if they care that they're on the wrestlers' personal time at that time. Because the thing is, is even as independent guys, the thing that we look forward to once the show ends is getting our money, going to get something to eat, getting to a hotel if we need, if we need it, mm-hmm. you know, or to get, get some home. sleep to go to go the next day, or yeah, or get home. And when you're blocking them in, you're not allowing the people to leave. You're taking away from their eating time. You're taking away from their sleep time, their workout time. You know, time to book a hotel, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But it's just, it's absolutely, completely ridiculous for those people to act like that just because the guy won that they didn't want to win. 
Yeah. And that's what it that's what it boils down to. They didn't want Roman Roman Reigns to win. They wanted Daniel Bryan to win. Daniel Bryan didn't win. Roman Reigns did, and they're upset. So now they're gonna make they're gonna punish the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Which is which is completely silly to me. That is the yep. silliest, dumbest thing. It's yep. wrestling. Exactly. And I mean it's just it's one of those I mean, I love wrestling, but for some people, and this is just the impression that I get that it's like, I'm like, you know, it affects them so bad just because, you know, like you said, Daniel Bryan didn't win. Has anything ever affected you that bad on something like, because, um, you know, we could, you know, we compare wrestling to movies. It's the same thing, except we got to get up and do it again the next week or the next day. Uh, it's like, have you ever went to a movie and seen a movie that, it didn't. The wrong character died, or the char- character died, and it affected you, affected you so much that you just wanted to go hit stuff. And it's like to me, it's no. like when that happens, it's like maybe it's time to back off a little bit and find something else to watch. And yeah, well, it's never affected me like that. But I will say this, and I will go on record to say this right here on your show, and all your listeners and everything. I was extremely upset when the Honky Tonk Man beat Ricky the Dragon Steamboat for the Intercontinental title back in 1987, and I didn't talk to anybody for two weeks. Was you upset at the fact that he beat him, or the the fact that he beat him in like three minutes? (laughs) It was the fact that he beat him, because I was was a huge Ricky Steamboat fan, and I did not like the Honky Tonk Man, you know, but later on in life and everything, I got booked on several shows with him, you know, and got to work with him and stuff like that. He's a great guy. Yeah. Well, oh, did you have you heard of his new booking price? No, one thousand dollars per show. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I remember but, when, uh, not to go off on another, you know, another tangent. I remember when the history of the Intercontinental Championship DVD first came out, mm-hmm. and I and I went and picked it up, and that was one of the matches I was looking forward to watching on there because I. I I went online on Amazon and seen the chart, the listing before I went and bought it, just to make sure you know I didn't have the majority of the matches already on another DVD. Because unlike you, I won't if if I've, if it's got twenty matches and I've got eighteen of them on on other DVDs or pay per view events, I don't buy them. <laughs> I'll buy anything. I know. <laughs> and I seen that one. I was like, I've always wanted to see the match where Honky, Honky won it and Steamboat because you know most of the time anything Steamboat related related is very good. And it was like over in three minutes, and I was like, "That's it." Yeah, I remember it was <laughs> on Superstars over? on Saturday on Saturday morning, and I got up and I knew that Ricky Steamboat was going to defend against the Honky Tonk Man. So early, I'm excited because you didn't hardly see title matches on TV. So when you know when there was a title defense on TV, you were genu- genuinely excited about it. So I got up extra early earlier than normal to get myself ready for it. I made like a pizza or something like that, and. You know, and and got my pop and all that stuff, and just plopped my butt right down in front of the TV, and I'm sitting there watching, and you know they're doing all the squash matches and all that stuff, and well, it's time for the main event, and that's the Honky Tonk Man versus Ricky Steamboat, and I'm getting I'm you know getting so excited and everything because I just know that Ricky Steamboat's going to win and he's going to keep his title, you know, and so on and so forth, and then he gets beat, mm-hmm. and I remember taking my pizza and throwing it in the trash. And I think I slung my pop across the room, and I did not speak to anybody for two weeks after that because I was so upset. Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But I didn't take all my VHS tapes, you know, my wrestling VHS tapes, and throw them in the trash either. You know, which that would be like everybody saying, oh, cancel my subscription because Roman Reigns won, and I wanted Daniel Bryan to win. 
Yeah, I remember seeing somebody saying that they was going that after he won, they they took their they took WWE 2K15, the GameStop, and sold it back to them, and they took they took their DVDs and put them on Amazon, and and I was like, well, give me your page because you might have something I don't have. (laughs) (laughs) So they're willing to sacrifice all these great wrestling memories that they grew up with and all that stuff just because the guy won that they didn't want to win. That's what I don't. I just don't. I don't get that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see it that way. You know, Roman Reigns won. I would have preferred Daniel Bryan to win myself, but Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. I can't even say his name anymore. I'm so mad. <laughs> Roman Reigns won. Cool. I'm. I'm good with it. I'll live with it. And uh, you know, WrestleMania is going to be great regardless. Yeah. Speaking of WrestleMania, we already know the main event. It's going because you know Brock is not defending the belt of Fastlane. That's a given. Um, yeah. Uh, which Fastlane, I think, is a very cheesy name for a for a pay per view. But I, it's just so Michael <laughs> Cole. We're on the Fastlane to WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. You know when you know when that show happens, that's going to be the first thing comes out of his mouth. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, which they've already booked John Cena and Rusev. Which for the people out there that did that watched the net the network and didn't stick around for the Fallout show, they began that angle on on that show. And do you think that they booked that match too soon? No, I think it's the right time. Uh, Rusev was brought in. You know, he's brought in as monster heel. They've been building him. He uh, he beat Mark Henry, beat the Big Show, um, you know, so on and so forth. He's beating all these guys, you know, with relative ease and all that stuff. It's time for him to face a, a mega star like John Cena, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think now, or, or at WrestleMania or even Fastlane. Um, it's going to be, you know, the perfect time. Uh, honestly, I hope that they do something at Fastlane to carry on over into WrestleMania. Yeah. Because that's a fresh only, opponent for John Cena and it's a fresh opponent for Rusev. Yeah, the only thing I can see happening, because if they're going to have it at WrestleMania, which is from everything I've seen, that's, that's what they're planning, They uh, this match has got to end in a non-finish. If it ends, yeah. in, if it ends in a finish, um then it's it's not going to work out real good as far as WrestleMania goes because you've already seen you've already either seen Rusev beat Cena which ain't going to happen. Uh, if it is going to happen, it'll happen at WrestleMania, which even then I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> or it's Rusev's going to get DQ'd or something. Well, the thing is, if they, you know they have the match at WrestleMania with Rusev and Cena, and Rusev does go over uh, John Cena, that's great for him. You know he mm-hmm. beat John Cena at WrestleMania. You know that's huge for him, you know, and that'll just that'll propel his star power, and they can keep having him as you know as a upper card heel, you know, and and it'd be great. I think it'd be great for his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like when people last year with Bray Wyatt, it was oh John Cena's going to bury Bray Wyatt, which these inter these internet wrestling dumb fucks don't even know what the term bury means. Uh, yeah, if you lose a match now, you're buried. Uh, if you get if you get pinned, you're buried. If you get yeah. if you submit, you're buried. And it's just like well, you have well, no. Cl- the thing is, is you know he was working with Don Cena at WrestleMania. You know that's pretty big deal if you ask me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't understand how that's getting buried. You know he's he's working with your top you know one of your top guys at mm-hmm. WrestleMania, your biggest show. You know how's that getting buried? Sure, he lost, but you know, so what? Yeah. You know, however, though, I do hope that they 
Um, I wish that they would have came off of there and then gave him a win, you know, a clean win over Cena, you know, to build mm-hmm. him up a little bit more, you know, while I haven't used the Wyatts and all that stuff. But, yeah. you know, that's okay. Yeah, you know? that cage match, the cage match they had a month later at Extreme Rules would have been great Have had had it been, you know, a, maybe a slight bit of interference from the White family, you know, to yeah, get not 30. as much as it was. But when it was every time John Cena, then the kid, and I was like, yeah, it might be a little too much. And yeah. I mean, it didn't now, however, hurt, go ahead. It didn't hurt Bray. It didn't hurt Bray, but it de- didn't necessarily help him either. Yeah. Now, however, I thought the match at um, I don't remember which pay per view it was, but the Last Man Standing match. Payback. That was fun. That was phenomenal. Was it payback? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was phenomenal. It was great. You know, and by him pushing the uh, the thing over over top of the hole that Bray Wyatt had fell in, you know, preventing him to get out. You know, that just proves that well, if he hadn't have done that, then, you know, Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt might have won. You know, I mean, and maybe that's just the mark of me coming out, but, you know, I, I thought that match was great. Well, of course, you know, as soon as that happened, uh, um, then he had the internet wrestling community going, saying, well, they literally buried Bray Wyatt. <laughs> and, yeah. And I was like, if like a burial is where you you absolutely destroy something, somebody on TV, and then you never see them again. Yeah, <laughs> that is a burial. Well, well, the thing is, is, is you know, no matter you know, like it's like you said, if they lose one match, well, they're getting buried. You know what? They got a job. They're getting a fat paycheck. You know, every couple of weeks, and. You know, they're on TV. They're getting exposure on the the biggest wrestling company in the U.S. every week. You know, that's mm-hmm. not getting buried. You know, if I was Zack Ryder and I was in his position, I'd be happy as a lark. You know? Yeah. Zack Ryder, you know, he's he, I think he's a great worker. You know? And, you know, mm-hmm. he just, he, he's never really gotten the push other than the U.S. title run. But still, I mean, you know, he, he's on TV. You know, he just came off injury, so he's been off TV for a while. But, you know, he's on TV. He's getting a big, fat paycheck every couple of weeks. You know, that's uh, that's a pretty good position to be in, I think. Yeah. And, but that's, that's just my opinion again, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I want to go talk about uh, next going on from last night. Did you get? Did you watch last night? Yes, I did. Did you hear Roman Reigns getting fed his lines? I did not, actually. I haven't watched it yet. I want to go back because apparently now when they replay, when they replay it on the, on WWE.com, you can now hear – you don't hear nothing. They've muted it out, kind of like they did at the end of the Royal Rumble when they replayed it and they muted all the boos. Um, yeah. Which I've seen some people giving WWE flack for that, and I was like – how can you blame them for that? You, you, yeah. You, why would you keep the booze in? But anyway, apparently Roman got fed, was fed every single line that he had with Brock Lesnar last night. See, I thought he might have been reading them off like a card or something like that. But you know, because that's just the way it sounded at times. But I, mm-hmm. I didn't know he was getting you know fed the lines. I didn't either. Which I, after this is over, I'm going to go back and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've got it, I've got it DVR'd. Which well, what, is how did I you, uh, what did you think of the other Rumble matches? 
Um, I like the triple threat wasn't phenomenal. Better yeah, than I thought it was. I agree. Be. I mean, I, I, I went into that not think, not thinking it was going to be horrible, but I wasn't thinking it was going to be the greatest thing either, and it was a million times better than what I thought. Yeah. Um, uh, Seth Rollins proves proved that night that he belongs in a main event spot. Yeah. And you could tell he looked looked like he belonged, and he yeah. he felt it. Which you know, in wrestling, confidence gives you everything. If you don't have confidence in yourself in wrestling, you're done. Um, the women's tag match, I'd have, I'd have left off the show. That match was not good at all. Um, the Miz and Miz Dow versus Usos, I sincerely thought that they was going to end that angle there and have turn, finally turn Miz Dow babyface. Um, but they're, they're, WWE does have a tendency to try to milk an angle for all it's worth to the point where people don't want to see it anymore. And I think if they keep going with that angle, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. It's it's going to be it's kind of going to be like um the rockers back in AWA chasing uh Buddy Rose and his partner for Duck a year and a half. Yeah, Duck Summers. I was having a I was drawing a blank on his name. I remember Sean saying in his book, we chased them for so long that the people just got they got tired of it and they, when we won them they're like, "Yeah, they won them, but it should have happened 6 months ago." <laughs> and I think well, if they do that with Go ahead. I think if they keep doing that with Sandow, that's going to have the same effect. Well, I think they'll end up having another tag match um, at the Fastlane pay-per-view, and that's when the, the split's going to happen, and then they'll have a match at WrestleMania with each other. And the thing is, everybody sits there and they'll say, oh, Miz is terrible, Miz is – no, Miz is not terrible. You know, he mm-hmm. makes you hate him. You know, people hate yeah. him, and that's because he makes them hate him. So he's yeah. doing a great job. The only time you know? I didn't care for Miz, believe it or not, was when he was a babyface. I thought he made a shit babyface, but he was a great heel. Yeah, uh, I never liked those happy, you know, super happy, everything is sunshiny and, you know, rainbows and, you know, stuff. I never liked those type of babyfaces. Mm-hmm. You it, know, when, I, he, I, when, he, when he first turned, it was good for him. But then after a while, you're just seeing he's not a typical babyface. He's a heel. And Yeah. <laughs> He he started going back to his, when they finally they he went back to his heel heel tactics and then they finally just turned him. Yeah, uh, see that's me. You know when and this you know talking about me for a second here. Um, oh God, go again. <laughs> talking about me for thirty minutes now, but um, you know if I'm brought into a company, I can't be you know to a new company, I can't be brought in as a babyface because it'll never work. I have to be brought in as a heel be able to get over as a heel and then turn babyface for it to work. Um, but because the thing is, is I can work heel phenomenally, you know, and I will toot my own horn on that again, toot toot. But, you know, as a babyface, it's just not me. You know, it never has been me and it doesn't work for so long. But if I'm brought into a company directly as a babyface, it just doesn't work. You know, after you brought in as a heel, get over as a heel, turn baby face, and then it works until the people exactly. get tired of me, you know, being super happy. When I was and, in uh, Georgetown, yeah, when I was in Georgetown, uh, I mean, I, in my entire career, I've always had more fun as a heel because it's it's a lot easier to get people to hate you than to dislike you. And then when I fi- when I finally turned on you um, back then, which thankfully we've mended fences since then, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Even though sometimes you kind of pulled some dick moves on me in the ring when he was a tag partner, but um, anyway, I 
I was happy because, to do it because it was something new. I was healed for, what, seven years? And it was just like, I've had enough of these red M&Ms. I want a green one now. <laughs> I want to see what the green ones taste like. And yeah. I'll be honest, the only thing I really liked about being a babyface in Georgetown was the extra money I got from the table. <laughs> uh, to yeah. the point that I... To the point that Jim Chadwick hated my guts because I, I I learned from rated X. I I learned how to sell gimmicks, brother. And when, when he, you know, I, I sat under that learning tree. And there was some nights in Georgetown I had heat from Cujo and everybody else because you know, including my payoff, I was walking out with about one hundred fifty, one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars, just because I was selling everything under the sun and I was selling it for affordable prices instead of trying to grab it money, kind of like what Chadwick was. Rated X could sell glasses to a guy with twenty twenty vision. Mm-hmm. And that, <laughs> and that was the reason Felony kind of got pissed at me sometimes for being out there. She's like, well, have somebody else do it. I'm like, even if I offer them a cut of my, my profit, which I always would, I'd say, you know, whatever I sell, I'll give you 10% of if you, if you sell it for me. But I told her, I'm like, you know, I'm out, I go out there for one intermission. Nobody's going to sell my stuff for me like I will because, I mean – Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna push harder for me than me. But she finally got that. Of course then Del Bass didn't like my raffles because I outsold him in raffles because I knew how to sell raffles instead of trying to hang the people for money. <laughs> and Yeah, and that brings me to uh tangent number forty six. Yeah. There, there's lost art there's a lost art in wrestling. Um and it's called beer money. And I'm not talking about the tag team. <laughs> um what I'm ta- what right I mean team. is right tag team. You know <laughs> Yeah. What I mean is, you know, Babyface uh, works with the heel, goes out there and sells his gimmicks after his match and everything. You know, well, why not give him the guy that helped you get over, you know, a, a little, you know, a little cut of the money there. You know, thanking him for, you know, for helping you get over that night. You know, they, nobody does that anymore. They just go out there and they, uh, you know, sell gimmicks and everything, you know. And, and I always you know, would work with a baby face and they go out and sell a ton of gimmicks and then they come back and go, oh, I made a killing at the table tonight. Oh, really? Uh, you're welcome. See you next week. You know, and I really wish that uh, more of the indie promotions would get back to that. I mean, it's not enforced or anything like that. And no. it's really just, you know, it's really just up to the guys, but you know, the guys, you know, they don't seem to either remember that process they don't remember the guys that helped get them over, you know, you didn't, you know, you might've got yourself up to a certain level, but without working with these heels over here, you mm-hmm. know, you're not going to get past that level, you know, to the tango and, you know, help out your dance partner. Yeah. What I hated about being a baby face was, cause I'm very, I'm very, unless another personally, I'm very antisocial and I don't really like pool all that much. And yeah. uh, unless I knew him, and that was one of the things I, I was just like, oh, God, I hate some of these. Some of these people are so annoying, <laughs> <laughs> especially all the paranormal people that used to come to the show. I don't know if you remember them or not, but yeah. Uh, oh God! And you'd have one guy. He'd always come up and tell me how he was. He's a he used to be a wrestler, and he he's like, Yeah, I'm. A, I used to be world champion, and I'll bring you my belt next week. I'm like. Uh, okay, sure. Well, let me and, let me guess. Did he did he wear a mask and he wrestled for the WWF and he was as, uh, the heavyweight champion back in the seventies and he was yeah, called Mister X. Mister X. And he brought in the undisputed championship from two thousand two to two thousand five, and and it just had a little bitty a little handmade plate that had his name 
badly engraved on it. Like it wasn't, he didn't take the plate to somebody to get it engraved. It was like he bought himself an engraver and he did it himself. <laughs> He's like, brother, will you take a picture of me with it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a dollar, man. <laughs> people that are, people that are listening know that, uh, you know, aren't in the business and all that stuff. You'd be amazed at how yeah. many people used to work for the WWF and under a mask. And, you know, they were always the destroyer and, they were always Dr. X or Mr. X or, you know, something like that. But they were always under a mask. So if you go back mm-hmm. and you find footage, you can never see that that was actually them, you know. Now, yeah. But, now, I want to say this because, you know, we, I do have some people that listen to the show that come to Georgetown, like a James Isaacs, like an Andrew Browning. We do have some kick-ass fans that really appreciate what we do. And, you know, and it's like James Isaacs, you know, he eventually got into the business and I, yeah. I consider him a very good friend and same with Andrew. Yeah, Brown. he owes me 40, he owes me 40 bucks. Uh, he's, he's in the chat <laughs> no, room. He doesn't. So. He, he, he doesn't. He's cool. <laughs> he but um, yeah. it's like for every James Isaacs and Andrew Browning, for every one of them kind of fans that, you know, just appreciate it, you know, enjoy it. We have 20 fan, other fans that are like, you want to come over for dinner? No, it's like I've, been, yeah. I've, I kid you not, I've been stalked by some of the fans in Georgetown. Yeah, I have, and, too. That, and that played a part in me leaving for a while. When one of them showed up, when one of them showed up at my apartment in Danville, uh, how they got my address, I have no idea. They showed up there, and luckily I wasn't home. Um, it was a chick you you may know who she is, Ashley Risen. Uh-huh. she showed up at my apartment and talked to a buddy of mine that lived there that I used to work with when I worked at, when I was working at a restaurant in Junction. And he's like, yeah, this chick was looking for you. And she had really fucked up teeth and a big ass mole. And I was just like, Oh God, <laughs> I got on Facebook. Cause that's a friend at the time she was on my friends list and I pulled her up. I'm like, is this her? And he said, yep. I was like, block. Uh, <laughs> she, she's always she's always been very nice to me, so I can't really you know say. I mean, she was nice, but you know, showing up my, at my place was just kind of just taking it too far to me. I mean, yeah. Now I, I have when I was working for a guy named Donnie Prater, um, I had uh, been followed by a guy, and uh, the show was over with. I went to my car; he was in his car already, and this was at uh, a place called Tattersalls in Lexington, and it was like an old horse show. Uh, place and all that stuff. So it was a really nice facility. Um, but I got in my car and everything, and I took off, and then he pulled out behind me, and I noticed that he was behind me, so I'm just like, okay, well, I'm not going to go directly home, you know, or anything like that. I'm just going to kind of drive around, see what happens. Well, every, every turn I would make, he would make. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I finally realized, okay, he's following me. He's going to try to see where I live and stuff like that. No, that's, this is on my time now, you know. I'm not at the show, you know. You know, I'm on mm-hmm. my time now. I'm trying to get home to go to bed. I'm going to get yeah. something to eat, put in my fat belly, go to bed, get some sleep. So I just drive around and, you know, and everything. And I go downtown Lexington and I'm starting to you know, make turns and running red lights and stuff like that just to get away from him. I finally lost him. Mm-hmm. It took forever, but I finally lost him. So, I mean. Yeah. Which I don't, I mean, as far as Danville and where I used to wrestle in McKinney for X. As far as Danville and the surrounding areas, I've never really had that problem. Of course, you know, I didn't t- I didn't take the mask off in McKinney until towards the towards the end of Jed's run there. 
But mm. there's just so many that it used to come when X owned it, and we, you know, we was packing the house every show. Um, that I'm just like, I see them, I'll see them at a Walmart, or I'll see them if I'm in Stanford, and I'm just like, thank God you don't know who I am. Because <laughs> so, you know, you were, you were you were talking about you weren't really a people person and all that stuff, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I am a people person, but you know, I don't want like you know, calling my house or anything. Like like the other day I had a phone call from somebody on my Facebook friends list. They used to come to shows and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, my number's not on Facebook. How'd they get that? You know, I'm not answering that, you know, because, you know, the thing is I know that if I did answer it, well, they've got my number. And, you know, it's going to be nonstop calls and, you know, because we're big buddies and all that stuff. You know, that's, we can be big buddies. You know, once the show's over with, that's my personal time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that uh, might be wrong of me, but you know that's just that's the way I feel about it. If you see me out in a restaurant and all that stuff, you know, come on up and talk and sit with me and all that stuff, and, you know, that'd be great. Yep. Which is, you know, brings me to another thing too. You know, um, I went to a WWE show one night in Rep Arena, and this is oh about five six years ago, and we went to Denny's afterwards. And we saw, you know, a few of the wrestlers and all that stuff. Well, you know, people kept coming up to them while they're eating and all that stuff. And, you know, of course, you know, if they sign autographs and stuff while they're eating, they have to put down their forks. You know, they have to sign whatever you want, talk to you and all that stuff. Take, you know, get up from the table, take pictures with you and all that stuff. You know, just please, people, if you see, you know, WWE guys or, or you know, TNA guys or Ring of Honor guys or, independent guys or something like that out in a restaurant and they're eating, please leave them alone until they finish eating. You know, mm-hmm. once they, once they finish eating, they'll be more than happy to, you know, spend a little time with, you, you know, but if you interrupt their meal, you know, they're trying to eat, well, they might not have eaten anything since early that morning or something like that, you know, cause there's so much to do and, you know, and get ready for a show and, you know, all that stuff. So you're not even thinking about eating. So that might be their first meal since early in the morning. Or maybe the first meal that day. So give them time to finish their food and yeah. finish eating. You know, and then they'll be happy to do any pictures you want, you know, sign anything you want and all that stuff. Wrestlers are very personable people, most of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but when you catch them at the wrong times, they can be awful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like somebody met Brock Lesnar in a uh, in an airport or something like that. It was Brock Lesnar and Sable. And... You know, of course, they're crowding around him, wanting to take pictures and all that stuff. Well, that's your first instinct. Well, there's Brock Lesnar. I'm going to take a picture with him. You know, how about letting him finish, you know, booking his flight or switching planes or, you know, whatever like that. Let him finish doing that stuff first and then go up to him. Exactly. Some, I mean, some fans are very respectful and some aren't. Um, Yeah. And I'm very happy to be, you know, to been around the people, the fans that I've been around for 23 years. Yes. Um, because, you know, they've always been very friendly, nice people, respectable people uh, toward us and everything like that. There's been a couple, you know, that's been invasive and, you know, and things like that and just would not leave you alone and stuff like that. But, you know, that's to be expected. But you can be a fan. You can be a mark. Just don't overdo it. Yeah. And don't invade their personal time mm-hmm. exactly all right that was tangent number seven thousand four hundred and thirty three of the night uh 
We've yes. got one more match to cover, then we'll take a short break and then come back, and we're going to take some phone calls. Uh, we're going to try to limit because we're going to be running a little short on time. I mean, we'll have plenty of time to take every call that comes in, but we're going to limit it to two questions. And after you ask your second question, I'm going to I will probably mute your mic. That way, we can he can answer your him or me can answer your question, and then we can move on seamlessly to the next person. Um, but before then, Ascension versus the New Age Outlaws. What is your thoughts on the Ascension gimmick? The Ascension gimmick, uh, it's okay. Um, the the thing where they came in, they said we're better than the Road Warriors, better than Demolition, you know, stuff like that. You know, no, you're not. But you're a new team. You're heels. You're trying to get heat. They exactly. got heat. That's- but everybody blasted them on the internet. Yeah, and it goes to the whole deal where, and I think I made this comment to you, you can't cut a promo in the ring anymore without somebody thinking you're shooting on somebody. Exactly. Uh, And when they made that promo, I mean, I understand Lance Storm, you know, turned off his Raw and turned off his TV and protest and all that. And and I'm just like, you know what? And my whole thing was, was it reminded me of a situation I had. It was me and Zodiac as the violence factor. Um we in USWF and we also had the Fat and the Furious, Jack Black and Vito Andretti, and they were saying that they were the best, and and I would start saying I'm one of the best, and then Jack kind of cut me off one night and said, "Why do you say that?" And I'm like, "I ain't trying to step on any toes." He said, "What? Why would you ever say you're second best? You, in your mind, you have to be the best, or you don't need to be here." I was like, "It made sense," mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and. That's why I get why they said that, and of course, you know everybody else was doing the whole well. They're, well, Hawk and Hawk and um, whoever is not Animal. alive. To def- Hawk is not well. They were mainly talking about Hawk. Hawk yeah. is not alive to defend himself. And it's like he's not cutting a promo on them. He just mentioned them in his promo. Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. He I, said, "Yeah, he said we're better than Demolition. We're better than the Road Warriors." Okay. What would you prefer them to say? We're the Ascension, and we're not as good as Demolition, and and we're we're even worse than the Road Warriors. Yeah. So yeah, just go ahead and just you know think we suck and don't ever buy our merchandise. See y'all. Good night. Exactly. (laughs) Because in NXT, I love the Ascension. Yeah. Um, Victor, who to everybody else out there that don't that don't know, he used to wrestle in OVW and in around Kentucky is APOC. Yeah, Uh, and I didn't know that until a couple nights ago, actually. mm Hmm. Oh, I recognized them immediately. Back in the day when I, when APOC was working OVW, that was when it used to come on, and I'd actually used to watch it most of the time. Yeah. And just to see what they were doing, of course, I didn't think OVW was a, that great of a show. But it just seems like now it's just like, you know, you get one match, and if you, and if you can't get – and if you don't get – you know, knock it out of the gate, then you're never going to be good again. And it's like, yeah. you know, let's see what Ascension can do. And I said it before the Rumble. I said, if they if they don't maul the New Age Outlaws, they're done. If the New Age Outlaws go over, might as well take them off TV. Send them down to NXT or release them. Because they'll never, that'll be a death knell. And, of course, they, thankfully, they it ended with them standing over them like it should have. Yep. Yeah, because the thing uh, is, I mean, you know, the New Age Outlaws, you know, they're great. For the uh, nostalgia factor for you know fans of the Attitude Era, uh, Billy Gunn, Road Dogg, both great workers. Um, but if they went over the Ascension, you know what would that have proved? You know, okay, well these guys, you know they they do suck like we thought we they thought we thought they did. 
But, you know, the thing is, though, is they found, they went over the New Age Outlaws. They did it convincingly. You know, great. You know, let's continue the push. Yeah, let's see what they can do. Now, I don't mean give them the tag belts the next couple of weeks. But no. I would I would start having them go with some of the established tag teams, everybody but the Usos, if they're going to keep the belts on the Usos, and I'd have them walk all over them. If I was watching yep. it, that's what I would do. And then yeah. once they and then once they get with the Usos, you know, build it up a little bit. Maybe the first match, you know, the Usos sneak one in there uh, and pull a quick one, and then have it a rematch, and then you know, pretty much the ascension going. You know, hey, we learned what you know how they beat us, and and then just maul them. Of course, yeah, we're not going to make that mistake again, and you know, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Boom, maul them, maul them, maul them, and it's all the ascension. Mm-hmm. Well, not all the ascension, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I'd structure, you know, the second match like maybe 80% Ascension, 20%. Then you can have the Usos chase the belts again, which there's always more money to be made with a a babyface chasing a heel than a heel chasing a babyface. Exactly. I mean, because the thing is, is the the end result is what everybody wants to see. If you've already got the end result at the beginning, you know, why do you want to continue to, you know, pay for the same movie or, 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 uh, you know, read the same book over and over and over? Yep. All right. Well, that that completes our Rumble talk. Uh, real quick, before we take our break, I want to touch on the Hall of Fame because they announced another member of the Hall of Fame this week. Uh, first, I don't know if we discussed this in a previous podcast, Randy Savage. How happy are you that he's finally getting his due? Super excited. I was so happy to see that he's finally getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. And I love Hall of Fames because I think that it – it shows respect to the guys that busted their butts, you know, for years and years and years, and, you know, their entire lives and stuff like that. I love Hall of Fames. You know, I think they're so mm-hmm. respectful, even though there's not a physical one yet. You know, but still, just to be acknowledged for your body of work and what you do, you know, that just tells the world that you did a good job and you're being recognized for it. Mm-hmm. Best Hall of Fame induction speech I've ever seen. And I know you're probably going to snap, kill me because I, it's not Piper, even though Piper's was good. What? And, and, <laughs> in my opinion, the best Hall of Fame speech I've ever seen was Bobby the Brain Heenan. Absolutely. I will agree with that. He was nope. the best Hall of Fame speech because you could tell that he really, really appreciated yeah. it. And he was really happy about being there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the reaction he got during his Hall of Fame speech was great. Yeah, and um, and it's just it's I mean it's sad now to see the state he's in. Uh, yeah, it it totally breaks my heart because I've seen a picture of him and it's like man he was the greatest talker ever, ever, ever. And I mean that's better than Dusty, better than Piper in my opinion. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, and. Just to see, you know, and then that's the thing that got taken away from him was his mouth and yeah. his ability to speak, and it's just it's so yeah. heartbreaking. And I'm not trying to depress everybody out there listening, uh, but what is your hands down the worst Hall of Fame speech you've ever seen that, that they've had on there? Well, it's not Mr. T. I thought Mr. T's was great. <laughs> I thought Mr. T's was good, but I just like after a while I was like, okay, we get it. You love your mama. <laughs> All right, okay, we <laughs> get so it. It's so funny. The worst, right, Hall okay. of Fame speech, <laughs> the worst Hall of Fame speech that I've ever heard was Drew Carey's because yeah. he was only involved one time, and that was in the Royal Rumble, I believe, 2001. And uh, he was in there for, what, not even not a even minute or two? 
minute and a half maybe. Yeah. And you could tell during his speech there was no passion for it. Uh, you know, he was he basically just had to write something out to be able to give a speech. And, you know, he was just only involved there for one match. You know, a lot of people think that Bob Euchre didn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but I think he does. He was part of, I think he did, too. He, yeah, he, he was, was part uh, of two WrestleManias, and he, he did all guest. the build-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, do what? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah, he, uh, yeah I'm here. Uh, he he okay, was part of two WrestleManias. <laughs> okay. I'll keep talking. He's part ahead, of two brother. WrestleManias. Uh, he did all the build-up going up to those WrestleManias and stuff like that. So he was involved in more than people actually remember. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he got very close to Vince McMahon, all that stuff. And, and not only the WrestleMania that he was a part of, he was a big part of them, mm-hmm. you know. He, he he did all the backstage interviews, you know, for uh, – well, he did several for three and several for four. And, um, you know, he did all this other stuff and all this Goodwill Ambassador stuff, too, that people don't remember or may not even know. And I think he absolutely deserves his spot in the Hall of Fame. Drew yeah, Carey, I, I don't think he does, though. No. And I'm I'm even kind of that way with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't – I mean, with the exception of the one appearance on Raw and the appearance on SmackDown back in 99, I believe. I mean – I mean, I get, I get the celebrity because some of the celebrities they did, like Bob Euchre, uh deserved it. Who what was it? Pete Rose definitely deserved a spot in the absolutely. Spot Mr. That they gave T, him. Uh, yeah, Mr. T, T deserves it. Um, um, there's one glaring omission, I think, to the celebrity wing. Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She without her, spot. without her, wrestling. I mean, yeah, sure they had Hogan, but. Cindy Lauper brought in a lot of that mainstream media, uh, along with Mr. Just maybe just as much, if not more, than Mr. T, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, and and uh, she was an active. She was an active manager for for the girls <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, for Wendy Richter and you know stuff like that. As long as they don't keep, go back to the way they did it in 2009, I like the Hall of Fame. 2009, they chopped it up so bad because it was pretty much yeah. everybody but Austin couldn't go more than five minutes. And yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Um, which, that sucked for the Freebirds. Who else got inducted in that one? Didn't the Funks get inducted to that one, too? Yeah, the Funks were in it. The Freebirds weren't in it. They they inducted uh, the Von Erics. Mm-hmm. I think that was, that was uh, 2010. I believe. No, I know the I know the Freebirds got went in in '09. I know that for a fact because I remember seeing that on the disc, like on the, the physical disc. I'm getting my copy of my Blu-ray copy out right now. Yeah, I, I don't think the Freebirds are in there. No, not the Freebirds. The Von Erichs is who I'm thinking. The, yeah, the Michael Hayes inducted them. Yeah, Coco uh, WrestleMania 25. Yeah, Coco Beware's in there, which. I don't get that one either because he was kind of just a glorified jobber. Um, Steamboat got inducted that year with the with Howard Finkel, who definitely deserved it, mm-hmm. and the Funks along with Austin. Yep, and Bill Watts. Yep, and on the back of the Blu-ray says Cowboy Billy Watts because he's yeah, always Cowboy Billy, Billy his entire career. <laughs> Cowboy Billy Watts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break, uh, about a three-minute break, and then when we come back, we're going to open up the phone lines. You can call in, give your opinions on the Rumble, uh, ask a question or two, and then we'll probably take it to the house. Uh, real quick, next week, this coming Friday, I will have uh, Marine-slash-wrestling Marine manager Scott Diamond on the show. We are yeah, not yeah. going to be talking about wrestling. We're going to be talking about the movie American Sniper, Lone, Lone Survivor, and the American Sniper controversy with Michael Moore claiming that Chris Kyle and any and any military sniper is a coward. All right, so I'm going to play a little music. We're going to take a little break so we can rest our jaws a little bit, and then we will be right back. Here is Fozzie with... <laughs> With She's My Addiction.
All right, that was that was Fozzie with she's my addiction. I got to say, Brody Hanson in the chat room, he he booed Fozzie, but which I didn't like none of Fozzie's early stuff because it was all covers. But these last couple albums has actually not been not been bad at all. Um, but and I and I kept I was talking during the song I was talking to Bobby Blade in the screening room. And, and, I, and I'm sitting here talking, and I forgot to pull them out. <laughs> yeah, sorry thanks. about that, Bobby. <laughs> thanks for that. I appreciate the amount of respect in this uh, on this talk show. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take some phone calls. The number is three four seven two one five eight seven nine five. I'll put the numbers on Facebook and Twitter, and on the Blog Talk Radio forum. I'll also put it up on in the chat room. Uh, as soon as I type it out, eight seven nine five. All right, call in. You can give us your opinion on the Rumble. Did you like it? Did you hate it? You could ask Bobby Blade and a particular question. Try to keep it towards the Rumble. You can get two questions uh, that you can ask. Um, so Try to keep it Bobby, toward the Rumble and win a prize. Yeah, the prize will be the ple- the pleasure of talking to us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how do you think the whole Sting and Triple H thing of Fastlane is going to turn out? Well, I, they're supposed to do a uh, face-to-face confrontation at Fastlane. Um, I think it's going to end up with Sting uh, getting beat down and uh, set up for the match at WrestleMania. And then, uh, you know, thankfully or um, hopefully, you know, Sting will go over at WrestleMania and, you know, then that should be about it for his contract, right? Because he's only got a handful of dates on it. Yeah, uh, I think he I think he signed up for one or two matches a year. I think he signed a three year deal. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll use him after next year. Uh, I, I, he's obviously with Savage getting inducted. He's not going to be inducted this year. Yeah. But but I say next year will be a lock for both him and Hand Undertaker to be inducted into the Hall of Fame because. Yeah. A lot of people are saying it ain't gonna happen, but I think next next year in in Texas will be the Undertaker's final WrestleMania, where it's, it's essentially going to be close to his hometown. Even though his hometown's Houston, it's going to be in Dallas, and it for me it would be the right place to finally retire the Undertaker. Uh, they're talking about if he doesn't wrestle this year at the Undertaker, they're going to induct him this year, which I think would be a bad mistake. Um, but I but I've also read that they're 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 keeping Bray Wyatt strong. Which a lot of the indie fans hated the uh, IWC hated that because they're Dean, a bunch of Dean Ambrose fans, which I am too. But they kept they're keeping Bray strong for the Undertaker. I hate what the I, IWC. I do too. I hate the IWC because they hate life. Uh, to me, you know who the IWC reminds me of. Who it reminds that? me of it, and 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 it reminds me of the UK fans. The, the college college basketball fans that they get so uptight about if their team loses or if their team wins if their team's losing oh my god it's the refs that beat them no it's the other team that beat them uh, <laughs> and they get so uptight about it they take the fun out of watching the game yeah yeah exactly exactly and what, the whole thing is is the wrestling business is about you know the fans having a good time and you know, stuff like that. But the thing is, is, if you make it fun for the wrestlers, the wrestlers will have a good time, and in turn will make the fans have a good time as well. You know, so 
if a guy's constantly on the internet and they're saying, well, you know, I'll, I'll just use you for for instance. Okay. If you're on the internet and somebody's sitting there going, you know, Tom Wings sucks, Tom Wings sucks, I hate every match that Tom Wings ever been in, he should have ever been born, blah, 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 blah. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to see that and you're just going to be like, well, why am I going to go out and, you know, work my butt off for these people when they don't appreciate what I'm doing for them? You know, but mm-hmm. the thing is, though, is if you see somebody on there going, Tom Wings great, Tom Wings great, Tom Wings great, you're going to feel better about yourself and you're going to go out there and have a good time. And then in, when you have a good time, in turn, the fans have a good time. Yeah, my favorite. You know. My favorite one is um, we're you know Neil Bryan didn't win. We're done with the WWE, and I put a thing up on Twitter, kind of poking fun at him Saturday night. It was like it was like everybody, we're done with WWE. WWE going, that's cool. We'll see you tomorrow night for Raw. <laughs> yeah, well, I said something around the similar lines and everything too, because. And I, I said something about on Facebook last night when they started Raw and they put the world title match on there from the Royal Rumble. I said, well, now I can hear it now. People are going to say, I can't believe that I paid nine ninety nine or $55, you know, depending on if you had the network or not, for this match. And now they're giving it away, you know, for free, you know, the next night on Raw. Well, you know, I'm done with the WWE. And I said, okay, that's good. I'll see you Thursday when we're all watching SmackDown. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You know? Yep. And then, you well, know, so several years ago, Halloween Havoc 98, I believe. Mm-hmm. It, it was Goldberg DDP. Was that 98? Yeah. Yeah, that when, uh, every, when everybody yeah, some ran of the pay per view feeds. Yeah, some of the pay per view feeds went out early. Mine didn't, but they, they gave the main event away the next night on Nitro, showed it in its entirety. Well, people were complaining about that. And I'm like, okay, you, you know, if you had one of the feeds that cut off early. You didn't get to see the finish of the match. Now they're showing you the finish of the match, and you're mad about it? I mean, yeah. What? What? No, I mean, I love them people. All right. You, you, like cannot, you cannot please them at all. No, you can't. That looks like we have got a call. In 859-967, you're on the air. What's going on, guys? What's going on, Andrew? Oh, nothing much. You're a regular caller, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I'm just... I just had to do the show every night. <laughs> did you uh, did you watch the Royal Rumble? Yes, sir, I did. What did you think of it? Uh, well, there was two questions I got for you for Bobby whenever you're ready. I'm ready whenever. Uh, first question was about the... Divas match. What did you think about Nikki Bella and the Bella Twins versus my favorite page and uh, Natalia? I thought it was I thought it was okay. Um, wasn't the best match. I, I felt that it honestly could have been better for you know who was in it. But you know the thing is, if they weren't good, they wouldn't have them on pay per view. Yeah, you know they deserve their spots. I think. But to me, Paige is one of my favorites. <laughs> um, well, mine's Eva Marie for obvious reasons. <laughs> well, I, 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 I can see that. <laughs> I hope she has a job for life. I've said that before on the show. <laughs> Bobby, did you get that text I sent you? Yes, I did. Of the magazine cover? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I bet it's now the wallpaper of your phone, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. All oh, right, boy. Andrew. All right, Andrew, I'm going I'm to let you ask your second question. 
and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and cut you off that way in case we have somebody else calling in. I can get to them a little better. All right, buddy? Yes, sir. Go ahead and ask your second question. Uh, what was your reaction when uh, Roman Reigns won since everyone was booing because of uh, cause of the little day of Bryant didn't win? <laughs> well, the thing is, is I think the right guy won. You know, um, everybody's saying that Roman Reigns isn't ready. I think, he, you know, if the WWE deems you to be ready, then you're ready. You know, they've got a lot of guys that, uh, you know, they watch their matches and stuff like that, backstage agents and so on and so forth. If the agents feel that the guy's ready, then he's ready. You know, I think the right guy won. Um, it Just because Roman Reigns won and Daniel Bryan didn't win, that's why all the backlash is coming back. Uh, from the fans and stuff like that, um, I don't think it's fair to Roman Reigns at all. You know, you got to right. give give the guy a chance. You know, he's got to have time to develop. You know, he's he was injured for so long. You know, so was Daniel Bryan, but Daniel Bryan uh, had his had his big moment at WrestleMania last year. It's Roman Reigns' time this year. You know, to have his big mm-hmm. moment. If it works, it works. Great. You know, business as usual. If it doesn't work, okay, fail to experiment. Let's try something else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, exactly. I, I don't, I don't have a problem with Roman Reigns winning at all. All right, thank you, buddy. I appreciate you calling in. Oh, you're welcome. I'll talk to you next time, man. All right. All right. That was Andrew Browning. Always yeah, calls in. James, James Isaacs will not call in. I think he's yeah. too scared. Well, he logged out of the chat room, so. Uh, now, see, I told you he was scared. Uh huh. We got about roughly 10 minutes left, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the no- call in number 347 215. 8795. Call in. It doesn't cost you anything to call in to talk to us. It's I free, think. especially if you use a cell phone. Yeah, exactly. All right. Wh- while we're waiting to see if anybody else calls in, who else would you like to see inducted into the Hall of Fame this year? Uh, well, you know, they've already got the celebrity going in this year, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I would really like to see Cindy Lauper, which, which I mentioned earlier. Um, I would like to see the Honky Tonk Man. You know, as mad as I was that he won the Intercontinental title from Ricky Steamboat, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He was such a huge heel, you know, in the 80s and early 90s for the WWF. He mm-hmm. deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But from what I understand, though, he, he turns them down. They have asked him. He turns them down because he doesn't want to have a Legends deal with him. Yeah. Um, Kevin Nash would be another good one. You know, Scott Hall's in there. You know, why not Kevin Nash? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and last year people was all up in arms because they 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 um inducted Razor Ramon and not Scott Hall. But from what I understand is they're saving that to for when they induct the NWO in as a as a unit. But my question is, and this is kind of the same one that um, if you, anybody that follows the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Kiss got inducted last year. And the question was, was do you induct the original the original group or do you induct the original group plus the other 25 people that's been a part of the band since then? And my question is, is do they just induct the original three, Hogan, Hall, Nash? And if you do induct more than that, then where do you stop? Um, I think they they should 
They should induct them as a group, but I think they need to stop at, like, the original six. Mm-hmm. You know, if they did Hogan, Holland, Nash, um, Giant, DiBiase, and X-Pac, you know, that would be fine. I would be fine with that. Mm-hmm. You know, just tell them all not to go too long. That way yeah. you're not out there for an hour and a half, you know, with, you know, NWO talking as a group. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a few minutes from Hogan, a few minutes from Hall, Nash, you know, X-Pac, DiBiase, and Giant and everything, you know, you could get a good, you know, 20, 25-minute, 30-minute segment out of that. That's perfect, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and see, my the one thing I'm wondering about is going back to Macho Man is I'm wondering who's going to accept for him because the last I heard, Danny Poffo said he didn't want to do it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's due to the you know Lanny made this statement. Of course, this statement didn't come out until after Macho had passed. That Macho wasn't going to go in unless the, his entire family goes in. Yeah, which love Macho to death, but it kind of reminds me of when they inducted Angelo into WCW back in '94 ish, and the yeah. only reason that they've really inducted. Angelo was because Savage pushed for it hard, which a lot, what a lot of people don't know was that that actually led to Gordon Soley quitting WCW <laughs> because he, well, he, he feels that you should be inducted on your on your merit and not on somebody begging for you to be inducted. Yeah. Well, I, I think that you know, too. Lanny Poffo has said, you know, since the, since the announcement was made that Savage was going in that it wouldn't be fair to the fans if Savage didn't go in, if he didn't allow, you know, Savage to go in, that the entire family didn't go in. Um, so, I mean, was this a recent thing where he said that he wouldn't accept? Because I think that that would be the ideal. About a year about a year or so ago, because Macho, the problem with inducting Macho Man is the same problem with inducting Owen Hart. And Lanny Poffo, from what I've read, owns pretty much all of Macho's trademarks and everything. Because hmm. yeah, as you know, they used the Macho Man gimmick in WCW, so WWE doesn't own that trademark. Um, so, uh, crap! I was in the middle. Of, <laughs> so, shut up, Bobby. Blonde moment. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Um, Bald moment. So when they when WWE wanted to induct him after he died, pretty much. Lanny said no. Well, my brother said this. I mean, I'm I hate to I'm not I hate to say you know you're a liar, but this is I mean to me it's just kind of awful convenient, you know. And that all of a sudden it's like oh you know, he, he won't go in unless it's the Poffo family going in, which to me it's like you know I'm one. I don't think anybody outside of WWE that never worked for WWE should go into the WWE Hall of Fame, but that's just my yeah. opinion. I mean, Lanny worked there, but Angelo never did. And well, it, it's kind of turned in. I know I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's kind of turned into more, you know, to be a wrestling Hall of Fame than just yeah. you know WWE that's exclusive Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Which I think that started when they inducted Vern Gagne into the Hall of Fame in '06. Yeah, and then that was followed up with like Abdullah the Butcher, you know, who'd never never worked there. Yeah. But all those guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But the thing yeah. is, though, is the companies that they worked for are no longer in existence, and WWE does own those trademarks now and does own the uh, the backlog uh, archives 
for those companies, like the AWA, you know, so there couldn't be an AWA Hall of Fame anymore, but WWE owns everything that's AWA related, so, you know, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah, and it's funny how so many people mended fences with McMahon after he started acquiring uh, libraries. Yeah. Bret Hart being the notable exception. Because, you know, of course, you know, Brett had a legitimate gripe on why he didn't want to be associated with WWE. But if you read Brett's book, you see in the book that he starts to coming around to mending fences after WWE buys WCW. Because then Vince owns his entire career. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I mean, I hope hope it's Lanny that they turned around and come to it. And I would eventually like to see Owen Hart, but honestly, and I'll go on record saying, I don't think that's ever going to happen, ever. I, I hope so, though, but, you know, because I he do definitely too. deserves it. You know, I his, do his too. brother and his father are both in there. You know, Owen spent a good chunk of his career there, and he worked hard. And honestly, I think that, and this is just my opinion, I think that he was better than Brett. I think he deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame. And for him not to be able to be, to go into the Hall of Fame and for the fans to see, you know, him go into the Hall of Fame, I think that's just that's a, sh- a shame, you know. Mm-hmm. And from what well, I understand, it's just it's wife is his wife is holding a grudge against WWE, which is that's understandable, you know. Well, that's understandable, uh, but you yeah. know, you gotta you gotta let go of that and let the fans get what they want. Um, crap. Well, uh, I had this argument with Felony a, a couple years ago. You know, of course, around WWE time, Hall of Fame announcement time, she said, "You know, WWE needs to get off their ass and induct Owen." I'm like, "It's not, it's not up to WWE." Well, how is it not? I'm like, because Martha owns everything about him, and she's hated wrestling even since even before Owen died. Yeah. So, you know, and and I remember when they come out with the Heart and Soul, Soul DVD, WWE got sued multi millions of dollars over that DVD to the point that they pulled it off the shelves. Yeah, speaking of guys, even, the, the, go ahead. Even even though they owned the footage, they didn't own Owen's likeness in the footage. Yeah, which that's, speaking of guys I, that I would like to see uh, inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, Brian Pillman. Yes, very much. Yes, Brian Pillman. He was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Babyface and a heel, loose cannon. You know, flying Brian. You know, great, great. I. You know, and if you're going to induct, and I said this uh, before too, the you know the guy never worked for WWE, but I feel he deserves to be in Hall of Fame. I think he's the most underrated wrestler of all time, Brad Armstrong. Yeah, I think we touched on that last episode. Yeah. Uh, but going back to the going back to the um, Brian Pillman thing, I made a comment where I've I've watched I've got everything like you do, and I've been watching it in order. Uh, I made a comment when I was getting into like the early '97s when Pillman started to break out a little bit. I I had made the comment that had had Brian Pillman had been healthy and not died, I don't think there ever would have called Steve Austin. I think he would have out overshadowed Austin so much with because it was essentially the same character. I, I could think you could you agree with that is, statement? Well. I think that there there would have been a coexistence of Stone Cold and uh, Loose Cannon, but I think the Loose Cannon um, gimmick was just so great. I mean, he was so crazy. You know, yes. he'd come out there and, you know, it's like the one night in ECW, he, did, he was doing a promo and he said he was going to pee in the ring and, you know, stuff like that. And <laughs> I think he just cut off, cut off a new jack or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And it was so unpredictable. And it, it added a, 
a realism that you you don't see nowadays, you know, oh. to the business. And the the loose cannon gimmick was great. Yeah, yeah, it's so hard to capture realism in the business anymore. One because yeah. the fans have just about seen it all. Two, yeah. the fan the fan knows that it's that it's a that it's a work. There's only been two instances that I've seen. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, we're going into overtime. Um, we're going to get this point out, then probably wrap it up. But we're still recording, so. Um, if you can still hear me, I think Andrew's done left the chat room, but we still got Brody in there, and I'm about to bring up something that Brody was a part of. The only time I've seen real extreme drama in my career, because I know you know you've seen a lot, and I know Brody's seen a lot. Um, and that one was when I did my deal, my my angle with Johnny Spade when I tombstoned him on a chair, and the place got like got you could hear the pin drop. And two was the first time SCW invaded USWF when they jumped in. When they when there was a cage match and they they jumped in a cage, and it was it was amazing. And it's just, it's so hard to capture that realism anymore. Yeah, I miss those days. I mean, you know, we uh, when I was working for the MWA, um, we worked in the uh, Georgetown Convention Center. And it was always jam packed every every week, and you know you had you had a group of people in there that believed in what they were doing, you know the workers, and everybody was working to make the show better, not just themselves better. And then you had an entire crowd that was just so cooperative and so appreciative of what we were giving them and everything. And I, I, you know, and they believed everything, and it mm-hmm. was so great and it was so much fun. And I just don't think that we're ever gonna get the days back like that anymore and i really miss those times you know when you can go to a show you didn't know if you're going to walk out you know walk out of the building that night alive you know because Mm -hmm. everything was so intense and um you had uh doug vines wrestling dale man you know every week and every week the people bought it and they would smack the chairs together and then you know doug vines would get busted open and bleeding everywhere then he'd pull out a cheap win you know, somehow, or, or he would, you know, take a walk and get counted out, and there was so much heat in the building, and it was just so great, man. I, I, I Those things like that, those feelings, those nights like that are the reason I love the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. I only got to work with, I don't, which I don't think Doug Vines works anymore. Uh, no. But I, I only got to work with him once, and it was a blast. I was scared to death just because I knew his of his reputation as yeah. far as, if you were a young guy and you didn't do the right thing, he beat the holy fuck out of you. <laughs> and and he was it. always super quiet. He was always super yeah. quiet if you know if you didn't know him. But if you know him, he was talkative and everything. I've never worked you know against him, worked with him in the ring, but I've tagged with him you know several times. Mm-hmm. And I learned more of those tag matches with him just by watching what he was doing and stuff like that than I ever have. Yeah, you know, he was he, the first. He knew how to, he knew how to paint the picture. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that ever let me call my own stuff. Yeah. Because when when I worked with him, it was beginning of oh seven. Yeah, it was the beginning of oh seven. Right when me and Zod- the first night, actually the first night me and Zodiac ever teamed, and I was only only been in the business like two and a half years. Yeah. Every day I with stuff for me, even though I was the heel because I didn't know no better. And he said, well, "What do you-? we got out there?" He had me in an arm lock. He said, "What do you want to do, kid?" Uh. <laughs> 
Uh, Whatever you'd like to do, sir. I, I'll push you up against the ropes. I'll, I'll shoot you off. You reverse me and give me a big clothesline. Sounds great, kid. Let's do it. <laughs> we did the deal, and I powdered out. And Zodiac was like, he let you call that? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Which X told me after the fact. He said, you know, Doug don't do that for everybody, man. He, he like, yeah. Doug has always been one he likes to call the entire match. And so yeah. for him to let you call a couple things likes you he's been a few of our shows before that and he was always one of those ones you could be in the ring working look out of the corner of your eye and that boy the baby face locker room you could see him you know watching the matches yeah and he would always give you honest feedback too he would never mm-hmm. he, he would never you know tell you any different if he thought your match was yeah. terrible he'll tell you it was terrible and here's why it was terrible here's mm-hmm. why this didn't work here's why this did work you know, and and he'll he'll break it down and explain every little bit of it to you. Yep. You know, and you just all you have to do is when you're on a show with Doug Vines, you just sit down, shut your mouth, open up your ears, listen to everything he says, taking all the advice and use it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was I was thankful enough to be able to do that. You know, with Doug, you know, a lot of times because when I first went in MWA, Doug was there. He was on top. Um, I made friends with Doug right off the bat. Um, you know, not just because of the knowledge that he could have passed along to me, but because he was a great guy to get to know, you know, and to be around and everything. Mm-hmm. No doubt. All right, Bobby, on that note, we're going to go ahead and call it a night, man. It's been I can't a pleasure it's having been you. Two hours. Yeah, it's been two hours and five minutes. <laughs> Turner time. Yeah. All <laughs> right, Bobby, I have. Well, We'll have you back on the week before Fastlane. We'll go over our predictions, what we think is going to happen, and we'll you know we'll probably go off on twenty five tangents like usual. Uh, <laughs> and ladies, and that's and then we'll I'll have you we'll have you on the week after, and Bobby will start becoming a kind of a bi weekly guest, I guess you could say, with the paper schedule. He'll be on the week before review, and the week after review on something comes up, in which then we'll let you know ahead of time, people. Because we like we like talking, you know, about wrestling, and as you can tell, we have fun doing it, and we hope you have fun listening to us. But uh, thank you, Mr. Blade. Thank you for having me on again, man. It was a pleasure again. Always such All a right. fun time when I'm on your show. That's what I try to have, man. I appreciate it. We'll holler at you later, man. All right, man. Thank you. See ya. All right, everybody. That was Bobby Blade, one of my best interviews I've, I've ever had he it's just you know i never have to worry about filling out time with him because i know where it's going to go but coming up this friday we have scott diamond marine veteran we're going to talk about michael moore we're going to talk about chris kyle about marcus luttrell uh for those of you who don't know them names the uh, american sniper lone survivor we're going to talk about my scott's time in the in the usmc um And we appreciate you listening. Have a good night, everybody.
Celebrate the summer at Cold Stone Creamery with our new confetti cupcake ice cream. It's the ice cream with the party mixed right in. Made with edible rainbow glitter and frosting, it'll make your summer extra sweet. Try it in our party like a cupcake creation. Confetti cupcake ice cream mixed with Kit Kat, rainbow sprinkles, yellow cake, and cake batter frosting. Taste the new confetti cupcake ice cream. Available for a limited time only at Cold Stone Creamery. Making fresh batches of ice cream in every store. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.